Hello, hello, everyone. It's Julia with Novel Finds Podcast, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. And today we have a really awesome chat with Alicia Thompson, the author of Love in the Time of Serial Killers, which is a wonderful book. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about it. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, of course. As we get started, would you mind giving us a little synopsis of the book and then uh, tell us about yourself? Sure. So Love in the Time of Serial Killers is a romance, and it is about a PhD candidate named Phoebe Walsh, and she is studying true crime as her dissertation topic. Um, And so she goes back to her dad's house over the summer uh, while she's working on her dissertation because he passed away earlier and she has to you know, clean out the house and stuff like that. And while she's there, she meets his neighbor, who is this very swoony, sweet guy named Sam. Um, But of course, because Phoebe is just kind of constantly in that true crime mindset, every single thing he does, she just thinks is incredibly sus. So like if he, you know, offers to help her or he's, um, you know, just he talks to her, she immediately thinks the worst of it. Uh, And that's basically the gist of Love in the Time of Serial Killers. Oh, it's so funny. Like, I mean, the first thing that he does in the book, I feel like it is incredibly sus, even though it's really nice, but it's also like the middle of the night and he's offering to help her take a giant desk off of her car. (laughs) Right. No, I I love that moment because, yeah, from his angle, he's just like a genuinely nice guy. And so Mm -hmm. to him, he's kind of like, okay, well, I see this woman arrived and she's all by herself and she has this really heavy piece of furniture. She seems like she wants to get off the car. And so mm-hmm. of course I'll help her. Um, but of course, like from Phoebe's angle and honestly from like all of our angles, oh, it's 100%. Like, no, I would not engage with that at all. So, no. you know, can't blame her for her reaction to it. Right. Like an, an unknown neighborhood. You don't know any of these people. It's dark outside. And I mean, yeah, it's not just that she's obsessed with true crime. It's definitely, I think, a female experience too. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was wonderful reading her and all of that paranoia. Yeah. Thank you. It was uh, very fun to write. Yeah. I could tell. Honestly, it was, it was fun to read. So it had to have been fun to write. With this uh, true crime genre, are, I assume you are interested in true crime and like murders and whatnot. I am. Yeah, I definitely am. I would say that I I definitely consumed a lot more of it when I was like in high school and college. And then okay. I think um I think having kids made me kind of for a while not really feel like I could engage with it as much because it was just Yeah, that's fair. You know, you just constantly think about all the worst things that could happen with your kids anyway. And so mm-hmm. it was not helping. Um, I remember distinctly, like, before having kids, you know, doing the classic, like, oh, go to sleep watching Forensic Files, and that's comforting to me. And then I remember, you know, having, like, a, you know, six-month-old and being like, oh, let me put on Investigation Discovery a bit, and being like, nope, no, I don't want any part of that. Oh, Um, sorry. Yeah, so I definitely have to be in the right headspace for it, but I still do enjoy a lot of uh, true crime media. And a lot like Phoebe, I really enjoy thinking about true crime as a genre. You know, like, Mm -hmm. what is it saying about our culture? What kinds of things are we interested in? That kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have a favorite crime or murder or or whatever? Um, I mean, obviously favorite feels a little weird. But <laughs> I know. It's it's a really yeah, odd. Yeah. Uh, but do you have, okay, maybe do you no, have I, one that sticks in your mind that 
people are like, oh, you like this? And then you're like, yeah, this is the one I'm going to talk about. I mean, this feels like the most basic answer ever, but I feel like if you're of a certain age, you just can't help. But like, I am absolutely dying to know what happened with Jean Bonnet. I really am. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I feel like put me at the pearly gates. And if I had one question, it might be what just what happened. Um, but that being said, you know, that is obviously also a very sad case. Probably one yes. of my favorite um like cases that that I just feel like I know a lot about and I kind of have more personal knowledge of is there was a local murder um when I was in high school uh where it was a local girl who had killed her mom and I I mean like I went to the trial for that one I oh, read wow. all the newspaper accounts yeah. so like I feel like I got real deep in that one that was a very mm-hmm. formative experience yeah did you know the girl did, did no. you like go to school with her no I didn't um but you know it's kind of one of those things that happens sometimes where it's like she was around my age she went to a school where like i knew people at that school i know this sounds so weird but we had gone to the same bush concert like at one <laughs> okay. point at one point in her trial it came out like in her journals like she was at this bush concert and i was mm-hmm. like oh my god i was at that bush concert like and so i do think that there was an element of kind of like not like i ever felt like you know that could be me but just like a wow like this is somebody who's my age who has you know a very similar family life very similar mm-hmm. background she's going to a local school like it just felt it really like hit home to me yeah yeah we had a similar one in my hometown just similar in that it was like a crime um mm-hmm. there was a girl she did go to my high school but she went there before i did mm-hmm. um she was working at a gas station late at night and then someone kidnapped her um, oh but they didn't have any like video footage they didn't have any actual working cameras in the gas station and so she was never found it was like she's it's a cold case um but i'm pretty sure she's the reason like you now have to have two people to like lock up at gas stations and or have a video feed going at all times and recording. Yeah, that's terrifying. And I know, would, right? And you would definitely think of all places to have video footage. You would think a gas station. I mean, I, you would think, but I mean, at least now, but a little too late for, yeah. for her, which is kind of sad. Um, yeah. But let's move into a happier topic. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, no, it's, it's my fault. I brought it up. Uh, I was just very curious because this is a really cool book. But do you have a favorite line or section from the book that you'd like to share? So I, I will share one part that I, it's it's probably like my favorite joke in the book, mm-hmm. uh, just because for some reason, I don't know, it actually still makes me laugh every time I think about it. Um, there's this one part where she goes over to the neighbor's house for a party. He's throwing like this little house party. And that entire scene was just a lot of fun to write. It was like some of their first like kind of real interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like a lot of ensemble kind of scenes with like her brothers there with her, his her brother's girlfriends there. Um, you know, Sam, the neighbor, has all these guests at the party. And there's this one part where she walks in and there's this big sign on the wall that says like, we'll miss you, Barbara. And she's trying to figure out like, what is this party even? Like, what is going on? Her brother's girlfriend says, where do you think Barbara's going? And she says, and she says the crawl space and, uh, and then they kind of laugh about it. Like they're all laughing. And then she kind of worries that maybe Sam overheard her saying that. Um, and she feels kind of bad that she was joking about that, like where he could maybe hear her. Mm -hmm. But I, I still really enjoy that joke. I love me a good crawl space joke. 
Oh, 100%. And not everyone has a crawl space. Um, no. So it makes it even more funny for people that do have them and are just like, oh, man, the crawl space is always the creepiest. Oh, absolutely. Like, why Why do they have to be creepy? Like, why can't they be a finished crawl space? I don't get it. Well, I feel like even the word crawl space <laughs> just feels really creepy to me. Yeah, 100%. There's always dirt and dead bugs down there. Mm-hmm. And you're always doing something you don't want to be doing in a crawl space. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a favorite character in in your book? And is this character the one you relate to the most? Uh, I feel like at different times, characters are my favorite. Um, Obviously, I I think I relate most to Phoebe. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just I'm writing as her in first person for most of for all of the books. Sorry, I don't know why I said most like I switched POV all of a sudden, like some avant garde stuff halfway through. Um, But no, I'm in her perspective and I definitely share a lot of traits in common with her just with like her sense of humor and, you know, some of her darkness and some of her vulnerabilities but then Connor was actually really fun to write. I really enjoyed every time Connor was on the page, her brother, uh, he was just really fun. I love him because he's very earnest mm-hmm. and he's kind of, he's kind of a bit of like a himbo, I guess, but at the 100%. same time, right. But at the same time, like he's actually very wise. Like some of the things that he tells Phoebe, I think she really needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of shocked that her, you know, brother who's seven years younger than her and, you know, just talks about crash bandicoot all the time and stuff she's shocked that like this is coming out of his mouth but right but he knows yeah yeah i love that oh my gosh i had to explain the the term himbo to one of my family members recently um yeah Hot male bimbo. Um, It's a delightful term. It's such a wonderful word. Um, Yeah, I saw Connor as like the golden retriever type. If there's always like the two friends, one is the goth depressed one and the other one is the golden retriever. And that was just kind of their dynamic, which was funny. Yeah, but I would say my favorite character is probably also Phoebe. And I really liked Sam. I liked him a lot. And it... (laughs) I wish that I was able to picture him the way that you wrote him, but the only Sam I could picture was like the really earnest and nice uh, Sam from True Blood. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've I've seen like parts of that show, but not a lot. Yeah. No, he's just like the nice Southern bar owner and Mm -hmm. he's very protective of Sookie. And I was like, oh, nice character named Sam. And then immediately it was just there the whole time. And I was like, oh man, but Sam's really cool. I liked him a lot. So we're going to shift into a few more like processy questions. But when you started the process for writing Love in the Time of Serial Killers, um, what came first what was the first thing that popped up in terms of story or character or what have you so in a way it was kind of the title actually so the title came to me i think um it was kind of the early days of the pandemic it was like august 2020 was when i started writing it and i think i had read an article or heard something somewhere you know where they were saying like love in the time of coronavirus and they were kind of mm-hmm. talking about like you know, how are people online dating, you know, when they can't meet in person, like Zoom dating and all this different stuff. Um, and so that kind of got stuck in my head. And then I was thinking about basically just love in the time of serial killers being the same kind of idea of like, how can you possibly date or open yourself up to somebody when you're kind of surrounding yourself with all this narrative of not just serial killers, but like true crime in general. Mm-hmm. 
So the title really came to me pretty early on. And then I feel like there were other parts of the book that I had probably been thinking about for a long time. A lot of times, like the characters and stuff kind of percolate for a long time. And I think that they just all didn't come together until I had that title. And then I was like, oh, I, I think I know this book, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I started kind of sitting down and actually writing it. Yeah, all of the pieces just slowly. It made sense. I yeah. love when that happens. That's so cool. Um, So when you were writing it, can you describe a day in the life? Did you have kids at that point or? Yeah. No? Yeah. Um, So it was, let's see, it was, you know, August of 2020. It was, um, I, I was able to work remotely a little bit, but unfortunately my job is kind of where like, I really have to go in. So I was mm-hmm. still, you know, working and, and going in, but in general, there was all that feeling. You remember that feeling of like the early pandemic where it was oh, just yeah. like, everybody was so you know, confused about what was going on. And I know my kids were about to go back to school and there was a lot of talk about like, are they going to go back or Mm -hmm. are we going to do remote, you know, e-learning or what's going on with that? So there's just a lot of kind of uncertainty there. And then um, I really wanted to try to get a draft done in time to try to submit it to this mentorship contest, Pitch Wars. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was like working at a breakneck pace. So while I was drafting this, it took me about Uh, roughly two months, which is very fast for me. I don't usually write that quickly, but I really Mm -hmm. had myself on a schedule of like, okay, you're going to get, you know, 2000 words done a night. And I I kept a little notebook and I still have it that has like, you know, all my word count and my like goals and all my little stuff. So it was just kind of me, you know, working, um, dealing with the e-learning stuff with my kids and then really just trying to get this book out. Yeah. So like chugging coffee and and staying up late, like what is sleep sleep is for the week yeah and i think in a way like the pandemic it i think it helps and it it hurt the creative process in different Mm -hmm. ways but one way for me that it kind of helped with this particular book is a lot of the book is about her just feeling kind of like squirrely and like kind of like having a hard time connecting with other people and i just i felt like i was in that space at that time And so some of those parts of the book, I felt like were a little easier to write maybe because I was really like kind of going through it. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely really relatable, especially because, I mean, she is suspicious of other people and Mm -hmm. she was by herself. I mean, she had her brother, but her brother is her younger brother and she expects to be the leader of the group. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it made a lot of sense and it connected really well um, for me, at least. But Tell us about Pitch Wars. So you did get your manuscript done in time to be on Pitch Wars. Is that correct? I did. I got it finished in time to submit it. Um, Technically, I did not because technically I still had to write, I think, the epilogue um, before. I. So I I kind of did what you're not supposed to do, which is I submitted (laughs) it. And then I was kind of like basically, you know, just praying like, please, if a request comes in, give me time to write this Mm -hmm. epilogue. Um, but it all worked out for that. And then I submitted it. Uh, I got some interest in it and, you know, mentors like requested the manuscript, but I didn't end up getting chosen to be one of the mentees for the contest. And I don't know, in a way it was kind of like, okay, well, at least I finished the draft, you know, and it gave yeah. me a goal. And so I was happy about that, but I was a little bummed. And then um, very nicely, several of the mentors actually reached out to me, you know, separately and basically just mm-hmm. said, you know, that they really enjoyed it. And a couple of them like referred me to their agents, which is how I ended up getting my agent. So in a way, um, you know, Pitch Wars kind of ended up still being yeah. part of my journey, even though I wasn't selected. And then the next year I was in Pitch Wars as a mentor. And so I co-mentored with another author 
And we, you know, picked an author ourselves to kind of work with, you know, her on her manuscript and stuff. That's excellent. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that they reached out and were like, hey. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so lovely. Have you ever done NaNoWriMo National uh, Novel Writing Month? Yes. I do it almost every November. I love it. So how many novels do you have written? I don't even know, to be honest (laughs) with you. Uh, But I mean, manuscripts that I can even just think of off the top of my head that are sitting on my laptop and will probably never go anywhere. I mean, at least five, six other ones. Wow. Um, But I love Nano because to me, like I love like that kind of like an external deadline, you know, that helps Mm -hmm. me to, to feel motivated to get something done. Yeah. And it's such an interesting community too. Like, well, not interest. It's, it is interesting, but it's such a supportive community. Like it it branches you and connects you to different people, which is really cool. Yeah. It's to me, it's really cool to have like this shared common goal. Like everybody is working Mm -hmm. toward the same thing. And I find that very inspiring. I think if it were happening all the time, it would be very tiring and I'd I'd have to, you know, check right out. But for one month, I feel like I can do it, you know? So I love that. And then you did two months for serial killers. And yeah. that's just, that's insane. That is so quick. I know. I, I'm shocked even to myself. And I almost hate that it happened for me once because then I tell myself I can do it again. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you can write a book in two months. But I don't know. That was lightning in a bottle. But I don't you know, don't but I have can't. to. Like, I know. Don't... I know. You don't have to. But there's right. something... There's like that little like you chasing the ghost car of yourself, you yeah. know, where you're like, okay, well, you've done that before. So like, yeah, 2000 words a day, that is a totally doable goal. And it's like, no, it is not. Not for <laughs> like, me anyway. Okay, no, thank you. No, I know. I feel the same. I, when I was living in Atlanta, I had like five different jobs and was keeping myself afloat as an actor in Atlanta, just doing that. And now I'm here in Sacramento and I have like two jobs and I'm just like, how does this even work? I'm so tired. <laughs> So So it, yeah, the whole thing about like the work expands to fit the time, I just think is so true because yeah, it's like when stuff comes off your plate, you still feel really busy somehow. And then you add more stuff to your plate and you still feel really busy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's just, you're always feeling that way. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. We all just need to embrace the Hobbit lifestyle of doing nothing. I'm down. Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any authors that really inspire you? Um, I have a lot of authors that inspire me, uh, especially in the romance community in general. I just think that there are so many really wonderful, lovely authors with really amazing careers who are coming out with, you know, great books. Um, so I'm going to shout out one person I don't know and one person I do. So one person who I don't know, but I just think the world of, and I love her books and I'm obsessed is Kate Claiborne. I just think like love at first love lettering. I just think her books are so good. Um, I would love to know her. So Kate, if you're listening, you know, I'm, I'm open, but, uh, then another author who I know is Rachel and Solomon and she wrote like the X talk and weather girl. And she was actually one of the mentors in pitch wars who reached out to me and connecting with her agent. And that's the agent I have now. So, I mean, when I say that literally, I don't know that this book would exist in the world without Rachel and Solomon. I mean that from a very genuine place. And I just think her books are so good. They have such great um, mental health rep in particular, but Mm -hmm. like in a very like warm, very real way, you know, it doesn't feel like she's like preaching messages to you, but at the same time, it's kind of like stuff you need to hear of like, okay, I also have really bad anxiety, but you know, that's okay. And that's part Mm -hmm. of life and I can get through that. Um, And I just think she's a great person and writer. I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, 
So how did you, we're going to go back to pitch wars for a second. How do they always like use authors from the previous year to be mentors for the next year? Is that how that works? I don't know, to be honest with you, um, because I wasn't really, I only got to do it that one year and unfortunately Mm -hmm. pitch wars uh, ended. And so there's other mentorship contests, but that one um, is no longer around. And I, I do think that like, if you're in the pitch wars community, I feel like it gives you a little bit of an edge in like kind of staying in that community just because they mm-hmm. kind of, they know you and they know that you're invested in their, you know, what they're doing. Um, so I imagine it probably has something to do with it, but I don't think it's like a one for one thing where if okay. you were in it the year before, you're definitely in it the next year. Right, right, right. That's wonderful. So do you have any books that are in the process of being published after Love in the Time of Serial Killers? Uh, I do have another book coming out next year. It's coming out next summer and it's another romance. This one's about um, kind of a rival's annoyances to lovers. Uh, They work at this fake winter attraction together and they have to kind of compete to try to save the place. But also, you know, they're going to fall in love at the same time. Uh, It's a lot of fun and it it's dual POV. So this time you get the guy's perspective, which I had a lot of fun with. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have like two separate uh, tracks, I guess? Um, just with your planning and how you do that, do, how do you plan when you're writing a book? That's a great question. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm never like, I'm never sure that I know, to be honest, it just feels like I'm kind of always flying by the seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. But, um, I feel like what I usually do is I usually percolate a book for a while. I think about it. I think about the characters. I think about whatever it was that inspired me, you know, to have the idea in the first place. And it kind of all has to come together. And a lot of times, like when I'm trying to fall asleep, I'll think about scenes from the book, like in my head, almost like they're movie scenes. Mm -hmm. And then usually when I feel pretty good about the beginning where I'm like, okay, I know where it's supposed to start. I know these characters. Let's let's get moving. Let's like put them in the scene and let's like see what happens. Then I feel like I can write the beginning. I don't want to say easily because it's like never easy, but it feels it feels like, okay, like the first 20,000 words are just like pouring out of me and I'm typing like mad. And that's what I'm kind of like, oh, I can do 2000 words a day. No problem. It's just (laughs) like, this is so easy. And then I get to a point usually where I'm like, oh, wait, more stuff has to happen. Mm -hmm. There has to be like more plot stuff. And, you know, like, what do I do with them now? I've run out of scenes that I've dreamed up and now Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, and unfortunately, I'm a very linear writer. So I find it very difficult to write out of sequence. So if I've dreamed up a scene, but it's not until, you know, 60,000 words in the book, well, you're going to have to write 60,000 words to get to it because I just can't write it out of order. And then that's usually when I stop and I kind of like outline a little bit and I figure out, okay, where do I need to go next? You know, what needs Mm -hmm. to happen? Um, So that's kind of where I start doing some planning, like as I've already gone along. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the POV scenes, are they alternating chapters mm-hmm. of the yeah. POV. Okay. And then it's not like the same scene happening but from a different point of view. It's no. just like continuing the story. Yeah, it's all one continual story just alternating perspectives. And sometimes you get like what they were thinking, like they'll think mm-hmm. back on, okay, when that happened and you'll kind of get to know like what they were thinking at that time, but otherwise it's just a continual story. Lovely. Love that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to like go off into a different book instead of talking about, oh, no, no. about this one. It just, they all sound great and I'm excited. I love um, the rivals to lovers trope. That's probably my favorite too. one. It's, I it's do just too, so yeah. good. It's well, it, such great. I love enemies to lovers too, but I do feel like in contemporary, it can be really difficult to do like a true enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? 
And so that's that's part of why like I really I don't think of them as enemies. I don't think they think of themselves as enemies, but rivals definitely fits better. Right. They're just they're just competing with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When there's no competition needed, really. But exactly. Whatever. <laughs> absolutely absolutely none needed. It's where the sexual tension comes from. Exactly. So this might be the hardest question in the whole conversation, but what is your all-time favorite book or or books? Yeah, that no is one can really, ever answer with just one. That is a really tough question. So I, I'm gonna, I, I am gonna pick a couple because, okay. yeah, it is so difficult. And of course, like <laughs> the usual caveats about like my answers would change literally mm-hmm. minute by minute. But the first one I will say is, I know this seems like a really school book report answer, but it's just really true. Mm-hmm. Is Anne Frank's Diary? I just like love that book. I've read it so much. It meant so much to me when I was a kid. It still means a lot to me. Um, I'm, I just like love Anne Frank's diary. I think she was a beautiful writer. I, it was really inspiring to me as like a young girl, like wanting to write. Uh, and so I just feel like that book is very meaningful. One time I was at a, this is a very random tangent. I'm sorry. No, no worries. But I was at a um, a party and it was kind of a fancy party. I don't remember. It was like an engagement party or something. It was kind of fancy. And they had hired like a caricaturist to like draw everybody's character And I kind of hate having like my caricature drawn. I feel like anytime that's ever happened, I just, I don't know. I always feel like it's a weird situation. Um, And this guy, I remember he was asking me questions while he was doing it. You know, the classic, because they're trying to get details they can put in Mm -hmm. their picture. And I said, I was a writer and he asked me my favorite book. And I said, Anne Frank's diary, because it's really just kind of my go-to answer. And he was, and he reacted so badly. He was like, that can't be your favorite book. (laughs) Like he reacted so negatively. That ever since then, I've been, I, I don't know, I'm i am like, no, that is my favorite book. I feel like I really just yeah. dug in even deeper. That guy was really weird. I have so many stories about that, like literally 10 minutes I spent with that weird uh, characterist. <laughs> the other book that I will say um, that I, I often shout about on social media because I can't help it is uh, I've Got Your Number by Sophie Kinsella and specifically the audiobook for it. I am obsessed mm-hmm. with. I've listened to it like eight times. It's narrated by Jane Entwistle, and it's just, to me, it's like, it's so funny. It's so romantic. It's got a little bit, um, it's definitely like a grumpy sunshine kind of pairing. It uh, has a lot of like text message exchanges and email exchanges, which I just love. I love that device always. And like her narration of it is just so funny. It's actually one of the few books I feel like that I've listened to so many times and I've never read the physical book Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I own it because I feel like I have to own it. But I've never opened it because I'm just like, why? When I have the audiobook sitting right there. It's so good. Right. Oh, that's what I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I think it's great, obviously. I love that. Well, thank you. By the time this episode airs, I'm pretty sure Love in the Time of Serial Killers is already going to be out. When is the publication date? It's August, August 16th. 16th. Yes. yes. So if you're listening to this, you should go out and buy Alicia's book because it's excellent. Well, thank you. Yeah. So tell us, where can people find you on social media? I, I mean, I don't, you don't have to give us your physical location. I don't want people to actually find you, but where can yeah. they find you socially? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, if reading my book doesn't tell you this, definitely I would not want to give my physical location because no. of paranoia reasons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I am on Instagram at Alicia Books. So that's A-L-I-C-I-A Books. And I'm at um, Alicia Books on Twitter as well. And I also have a newsletter, which is aliciabooks.substack.com. 
and then a website, which is alishathompsonbooks.com. Wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on. I'm so glad to meet you. I mean, I'm very excited to buy this book when it comes out. And it's just, I thank you for having this lovely conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. Well, we heckin' did it, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard and want to support the show, share it with your other bookish friends and family members. And if your podcast app has ratings, please take a minute to rate and review the show. I'm off to read the next book in Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events for my monthly Patreon series, A Summary of Unfortunate Events, which is a middle-of-the-pool dive into the series we all know and love. And if you'd like to hear it, subscribe to our Patreon by following the link in the Novel Finds bio on Instagram, which you should totally be following if you're not already. Thanks again for being a novel friend. We'll see y'all next week. Bye!